You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Everybody shout, Hope Lives. And so when I left off with you, we were, we were talking about uh, this, these scriptures in Psalms 25. Psalms 25. Psalms 25. Psalms 25, verses 2 through 3. Out of the NIV, well, we'll start with the King James since you already got it up. Oh, now you got the NIV. Oh, you got King James. Right there, don't move. Hallelujah. Psalms 25. Oh, my God, I trust you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies, or we could say the devil, triumph over me. How many of you know the devil's defeated? And then it says, yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. So this word ashamed in the King James, now let's look at it in the NIV, verse 2. I trust in you. Everybody say, I trust in you, Lord. Do let me not be put to shame, or don't let me be disappointed, nor let my enemies triumph over me. Verse 3, no one who hopes in you. And we're talking about, everybody shout, hope lives. What is hope? Confident, joyful expectation. Bible hope is not future. Natural hope does you no good because natural hope is always putting something off till tomorrow. But Bible hope comes from the Word of God. Jesus is our hope. And the Bible hope is a joyful, confident expectation. When you have Bible hope and faith that go together, then you're believing you receive something and you have a joyful, confident expectation that it's coming to pass. So natural hope and Bible hope have nothing in common. Because natural hope, you're always looking to the future, and you can't receive anything from God that way, where you say, well, how are you doing? Um, well, um, are you healed? Well, I hope so. Well, that's a natural hope that's, that's, that's not going to get you anywhere. But if you, my hope is in the Lord. Jesus healed me. I believe that I have received. So my joyful, confident expectation or my Bible hope is that, that everything's going to turn out because I believe that I received. So that, then the natural has to correspond to what I'm believing. So no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. No one who trusts in God will ever be disappointed. I hear people tell me this. I've seen it in counseling. People have said to me, well, God disappointed me. That is impossible. No, I should have got a bigger amen. It's impossible for God to disappoint you because he cannot fail. He cannot fail. So why as we as human beings, why can't we just say, you know what? I didn't know something. I must have missed one. Now, a preacher can disappoint you. A church, that's okay. It's true. A preacher can disappoint you. I'm sure I've disappointed a few people. But you know what? Um, the word of God can never disappoint you. A church, people in the church could disappoint you, but God, listen to me. If you, if you look through your post on Facebook, I don't. Every once in a while, some get back to me. So, y'all, even though we're not on social media, it gets back to me sometimes. But if your posts are about other people, then your hope is in people. If your posts about the government all the time, then you've put your confidence in a government. Because, see, if you put your hope and your trust in God, all your stuff should be joyful and upbeat. Because, whatever. <laughs> I've been away for a week. Hallelujah. You, you can go through and check yourself. Where's your hope? 
Where's your eyes? Where are they looking at? Remember, I want to tell you one more time because I was driving home yesterday and the Lord told me to challenge you again. For every amount that you listen to news, he said, give me equal time. So if you find yourself tuned into a radio station for eight hours, you owe him eight hours of word at home. He asks you for equal time. What's he, willing, what's he wanting you to do? Because he, he probably knows you're not going to listen to eight hours of messages. He just wants you to turn it off and look to him, the author and the finisher of your faith. If you have your hope in people, you're always, like Pastor Robert was saying, if you've got your hope in money, you're going to be disappointed. Because it goes up and it goes down. But God never goes up and down. <laughs> He's the same yesterday, today. Are you with me? Hope in him. You'll never be disappointed. He cannot fail you. He cannot let you down. Amen. Glory to God. Um, Isaiah 49, 23, the NIV, the very last part says this. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Y'all know that he is the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Everybody say, I trust you, Lord. My hope is in you, Lord. My confidence is in you, Lord. And I will never, I will never be disappointed. God cannot disappoint you. He will not fail you. He will not let you down. Amen. And then we ended up with Romans 5 and 5. And then it says this, and hope makes not ashamed. And hope, the God kind of hope, makes not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Now, what I'm going to teach you today is I call this the process to, to being never ashamed. The process to being never ashamed. The process for hope lives. The process for being joyful, confident, and expectation. Do you know if you went to work tomorrow and you were joyful, if you were confident, if your expectation was in God, you would be contagious. In I'm tired of the contagion of the bad stuff of the devil. Let's have our own contagion. Let, let, let's, be, let's be infectious with the love of God. Let's be infectious with the joy of God. Hallelujah. Just anoint some people and make them happy. Hallelujah. Just annoy them with your joy. Annoy them with your expectation. Annoy them with your confidence in God. Hallelujah. I'm just as serious as I can be. Because you know some people who are down and depressed, they want you, birds of a feather flock together. They would like for you to be down. They would like for you to get on their bandwagon. But we've got a better bandwagon. We've got a better thing going, amen, because our God never fails. He never disappoints, and he'll never let us down. And maybe they don't know what you know, and so quit just expecting them to know what you know. And, and they're, remember the Bible said, when they ask you for your, where, why do you have hope, the Bible says, they're going to ask you, you need to have an answer. Well, my hope is in Jesus. Jesus is my expectation. Jesus, I have expectation in the word of God. It's never failed. It's never failed. It's never failed. Governments have failed. Dollar currencies have failed. Nations have failed. Marriages have failed. People have failed. Churches have failed. But my God never has failed. The word has never, that's a big word, never we tell married couples, don't you ever use never and always. But the truth of the matter is, with God, you can use words like always and never. Because the truth of the matter is, he never lets you down. He'll never fail you. And you'll never be disappointed if you put your hope in him. And so let's look at the process. Let's look at Romans chapter 5 again. But we'll start at verse number 1. 
Y'all ready for a process? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just start there. Jesus said, my peace I leave you. Not, of the, not as the world gives. What is their peace dependent on? What's going on? So if all the circumstances are good, economy's good, there, there, there's no virus going around, everything's toned down, everybody is getting along and singing kumbaya. What is that? That's peace to them. Well, I wouldn't expect any of that until Jesus comes back. The natural peace. I just wouldn't expect it. Because he said there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, famine, earthquakes, pestilence. Pestilence is is plagues. So he said, you know, and you can't change that. But you don't have to participate in it. No, come on. Uh, Don't get me off, y'all. I uh, I feel a little lingering of up where I've been um, because they got me off all the time. I never got to stick with my notes, but I have notes. Hallelujah. Um, But you live, you know, in the old covenant, the children of Israel lived in Goshen. And the lights were on. There were no flies in Goshen. Amen. The firstborn wasn't touched in Goshen. And you have it better than living in Goshen. Because you're in, but in, in a similar way, you're in Christ. So whatever's going on in the world doesn't have to touch you. I said it don't have to touch you. I said it don't have to touch you. You can let it touch you, but it don't have to touch you. Amen? Amen. So, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have peace in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then let's go on. And then it says this, by whom you have access by faith into the grace wherein you stand. I could stop and preach there, but that's not my message today. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. What? We glory in tribulations. Also knowing that tribulation works patience. And patience experience and experience hope. And then where we're getting to, and then hope makes not ashamed. Hope makes not ashamed. In other words, then we'll not be disappointed. We'll, we'll not see failure because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. So the first thing I want to start with, I want to start, um, we, have, uh, we have access by faith in this grace wherein we stand. And notice, I'll just start here just to preview. So we have, there's all kinds of graces. There's saving grace. There's serving grace. Um, um, there's another grace here. It's called standing grace. And standing grace is the power of God to stand to resist the devil. Now, you got to know this. When trials and tribulation and temptation comes, where does it come from? Because, see, a lot of people and a lot of believers have been taught wrong about this. The Bible says in the book of James that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there's narrow variables uh, are turning. John 10.10 says it's the thief that steals, kills, and destroys. So God is not going to send anything to you that would steal from you, that would, uh, would kill you or destroy you. And then the Bible says in the book of James, James chapter 1, that let no man say when he's tempted, he's tempted of God. So no, Why? Because God is not tempted with evil, the Bible goes on to say, and neither does he tempt any man. So anytime you're tempted to sin, it's not a test. Anytime you're tempted to sin, anytime uh, a sickness, a disease comes your way, it's never been sent by God. 
Anytime that you have a problem that comes, you get in a car accident, that's not God telling you to slow down. God doesn't use destruction. He's not in, uh, he, he, him and the devil are not on a team. The devil doesn't work for God. You hear some believers and some preachers today, you'd hear, the, you'd hear them say, you know, that basically they're on the same team. No, they're not on the same team. Uh, the, and the devil has been defeated. So anytime a trial comes your way. Now, there are tests from God, but it's an open book test. He'll ask you to do something to see, try the reins of your heart to see if you'll obey him. That's a test. But here, I want you to see something. What the devil, see, you got to understand, though, when the devil sends things to you, it's like going to the gymnasium and using weights. Now, I, I, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about rejoicing. We're going to talk about joy. And every time I go across that, we're going to stop and have us a little break. And we're going to put it into practice. Because I've watched for far too long and watched people to succumb to what is going on out there and, and, and yield their emotions to what's happening out there. And God gave you emotions, and those emotions need to be full of joy, full of cheer right now, because that's what will cause the Word of God to work on the inside of you. And so it says here, to rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 7. It says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give us light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7. But we have this treasure... We have this treasure in earthen vessels. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And you've got a treasure on the inside of you that the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. So we, we do what? We rejoice. The first process is we rejoice in the hope, the joyful, confident expectation. So, no, not, so what do we got standing grace for? Because the devil is going to try to come. He's going to try to bring sickness. He's going to try to bring uh, uh, problems. He's going to try to bring confusion. He's going to try to bring stress. He's going to try to bring worry. But I'm going to do what? How do I, how do I get there? I'm going to stand in grace, and one of the first things I'm going to do is I'm going to get hopeful. I'm going to have a joyful, confident expectation in the glory of God. What is the glory of God? It is the power of God. It is the power of God. It is the power of God. It is the power. You know, I didn't come with you with enticing word, words of man's wisdom, but I came to you with a dim demonstration of the power of God, that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And what does he go on to say? But it's not just God coming on you. It's God living in you. It's Christ in you. It's Christ in you. Colossians chapter one, verse 27. It's Christ in you, the anointed one. It's the anointed one on the inside of you. It's Christ in you, the hope, the hope, a joyful, confident expectation of the manifestation of the glory of God. You are wall to wall God on the inside of you. The glory lives on, on the inside of you and he would like for you to let him out. He's tired of being caged up on the inside of us. He would like for you to let him out. <laughs> what does it say though? I rejoice in the expectation. Of, so it tells me, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. 
what should I do? 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. This stuff's not my notes. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, and that you rejoice. What am I supposed to be doing? I'm rejoicing with glory. You rejoice. You, whom having not seen you love and whom though you see him not, you believe you. You rejoice. You rejoice. One of the keys of getting over things, one of keys to work with the glory, one of the keys as you stand in grace, as you get the process of where hope makes not ashamed, is you got to be a rejoicer. But you rejoice in something. You rejoice with joy. You rejoice, you, no, you rejoice with joy. You re, I rejoice. I re, no, you rejoice with joy. You rejoice with joy. So you can't get out of here today until you stand up and rejoice with joy. So you might be here at 1230 or 1 o'clock unless you do what I say right now. And you better get up on your feet and you better rejoice. You better rejoice. You better rejoice with joy. You better rejoice. You better rejoice with joy. My expectation is in him. My expectation is in him. My hope is in him. It's Christ in me. The hope of glory. Hallelujah. You can sit down. Hallelujah. Go ahead, sit down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 4, 14 says, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up by Jesus and shall present us with you. It's talking about eternity. It's talking about the future. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace, there that word grace is, might through the thanksgiving, through the thanksgiving. See, grace, thanksgiving, they work together. That power works together. That many redound to the glory. There it is again. Grace, rejoicing, thanksgiving. Then the glory comes for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish and our inward man is renewed by, by day by day, for our light affliction, for our light affliction, if you're looking around today and you think all this is heavy, then you've got your eyes on the wrong thing. If it's caused you to be in fear, you've got your eyes on the wrong report. If, if, you, if it caused you to be down and depressed, everything that's going on all around you, then you've got your eyes in the wrong place. The Bible calls it a light affliction. Well, it's just hard now. It's heavy. All these people are crazy. They're posting all kinds of stuff. Well, quit reading it. I thought everybody agreed with me. Listen, genius. Listen, if they don't think the word of God, then they're not going to think like you. I don't know why everybody's so mad at everybody. It's a sign of unbelief. It's a sign of the love of God not shed abroad in people's heart. Should not be so among us. You can disagree without being disagreeable. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. So when the devil brings you a light affliction, what do you need to do? With the grace you stand in and the joy that's on the inside of you, you need to push it off. You need to, come on, it's a weight. You need to push it off. And, and, and what you do is, as you push it off, something's happening. What, what, as you push it off, then it works for us. It works for us. What the devil sent to destroy you could be a very pulpit you use to preach off of. 
The devil came to kill you. By the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed. And let me tell everybody all about it. The devil destroyed my business, but my God came and met all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ. Let me tell you how I did it. What do you do? You push that weight off. You push that weight. He tried to destroy my marriage. Hallelujah. We laughed all the way, and we glorified God all the way, and we're the happiest we'd ever. Hallelujah. He tried to steal my teenager, but I believe God, and what happened? They came back. What is that? I'm, I'm taking that light affliction, and I'm going to push it off. I'm going to push it off, and what does it do? It's a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Everybody shout glory. Hallelujah. I've been shouting all week, so. Uh, uh. Verse 3, <clears throat> and not only, can I have a bottle of water? Not only so, but the glory, we glory in tribulations. We glory in, tri- what? We glory in what? We glory when everything's good. Oh, everything's good. The economy's good. The government's good. Everything's good. Everything's going to be all right. Glory. Glory. That's not what this verse says. Do we want everything to turn out in the natural? Okay, sure we do. Sure we do. Sure we do. Will it get there? It can, it can, it can. But it shouldn't determine your emotion. It shouldn't determine your faith. It shouldn't determine what you do today. It says this. (laughs) And not only so, but we glory in. Am I reading that right? We glory. No, we complain about tribulations. Don't we? Don't we? When it goes bad, don't we mostly say, why did this happen? Come on, us good a word of faithers. I was doing everything right. I'm a tither. I was confessing the word, and then, then this came. What caused that? Well, sometimes it's just because there's a devil, and, you're, and you live on the earth. They got in the boat. Jesus said, go to the other side. What does that make them? In the will of God. What happened? A storm came up. And if you really study it, a demonic storm came up out of nowhere. What did Jesus say to it? Peace. Be still. Do you, ha- you have that kind of authority. Amen. So it says glory in tribulation. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13. Beloved, is that you? Are you a Beloved. Beloved, turn to your neighbor and say, you're a beloved. Oh, say it again. You're a beloved. Beloved, think it not strange. Beloved, I love you, but think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which has come to try you. Now, where did this fiery trial come from? It came from the devil. It came from living on the earth. It came from... Those maybe who wouldn't listen to you. It came from all kinds of places. Did you know no matter how hard you pray or how hard you try, you can't control everybody's will and their decision making? Because listen, if God wanted it that way, he would have done it. But he doesn't control people's wills either. Does he? He, can't, he can make everybody do what he wants them to do. No. Do you notice there's, uh, how about heaven, though? How about heaven? 
What's going on? Because people say, well, if God's in charge down here, he's doing a really bad job. Well, the Bible says that Satan is the God of this world. He's not my God. He's not your God. Uh, let's just compare and contrast. Is there sickness down here? Is there a mess down here? Are people crazy down here? <laughs> but what about in heaven? Is there any sickness up there? Ain't poverty? Confusion. Can't get the government straight. You know why? Because it's a theocracy. God's totally in charge. And there's no opposition. But can heaven come to earth? In your life it can. Remember Jesus prayed? Father, your will be done on earth as it is in. That prayer is still working. But that's for you. You can make, you can, you can just decide, I'm going to have heaven on earth. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. But, but what? But what? Well, yeah, stand up. We're going to do it again. But rejoice. But rejoice. But rejoice. But rejoice. Come on. Come on. Come on. Get in there. But rejoice. But rejoice. But rejoice, but rejoice, but rejoice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, you can sit down. Glory to God. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. Now, what does the Bible say in Hebrews? It says, for the joy set before him, he was able to endure. People look a lot, and we do this at Easter time, you know, when we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. We look a lot as, of his natural suffering. I mean, he was beaten beyond human recognition. They platted a crown of thorns where blood came down. Um, he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood in the garden even preparing. All that. That's just the natural side of it. That has no comparison to the spiritual side. He who knew no sin became sin. Every sickness and disease was laid upon him. He, he, he took every bruise, every sin, every hurt, every pain that all of humanity had ever experienced and would ever experience, and he took it upon himself. He was separated from the Father as he went into the bowels of hell, and he destroyed the works of the devil. Listen. He knew what was coming. And yet, in order to endure that, he, he rejoiced with joy. For the joy set before him. I believe that Jesus did this. He said, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. That when his what? Glory. Everybody shout, shout glory. Verse, verse uh, 13 of 1 Peter. 1 Peter 4, 13. But rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed. Well, has his glory been revealed? It has. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That you may be glad with what? So see, when something comes at you, when something comes at me, I can tell where I'm at by it. If I respond in the natural, I'm going to be sad. If I respond in the natural, I'm going to be confused. If I respond in the natural, I'm going to be mad. Oh, I'm just like y'all. 
When I listen too much, or I let, I, you can get worked up over it. And your natural response is, is confusion. It, it's anger. It's whatever. But you see, when the devil, because he said, beloved, don't think it's strange concerning a fiery trial. So the devil, listen, right now there's a corporate thing going around the world. The devil's come to kill, steal, and destroy. And there's this thing, it's amazing, everywhere around the world, the devil is showing who he is. He's stealing, he's killing, he's killing, he's causing deaths, and he's destroying people. He really is. He, and yet, I know this as your pastor, I know this by talking to people, then at the same time, individually, he's trying to deal with you. He's trying to mess with you. He's trying to mess with your life. So there's a corporate thing going on, and then there's an individual thing going on. But no matter what's coming your way, corporately or individually, you have to rejoice, knowing that what? You are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So when I know this weight is coming against me, I got to push it off by the grace wherein I stand. I got to push it off by the name of Jesus. I got to keep my mind stayed on him so I can be in perfect peace. And when I'm in perfect peace, then joy is also part of it. And I can rejoice with exceeding great joy because my hope is in him. Everything's going to work out all right. I'm just going to cheer up. Well, we got to do something. Yeah, you got to do something. You got to believe God. Yeah, you got to do something. You got to speak the word. Yeah, you got to do something. You got to be a doer of the word. That's what you got to do. And then whenever else he tells you to do that goes along with it, that may affect things in the natural, but let it come from a place of God, not somebody stirring you up in the natural to get you to do something. Even if they have a REV period in front of their name. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. But rejoice inasmuch as what you're going to do. You're going to rejoice. Why? When it comes, you got grace to stand in, you're going to resist. When his glory shall be revealed, Christ in you, the hope of glory, it's been revealed. You may be glad. You may be glad. Everybody say, I'm glad. I'm glad. What are you glad with? Exceeding joy. Exceeding, not just a little joy, not a little dabble, do you? Not something Pastor Mark stirs you up with, but it's a fruit of the Spirit that lives on the inside of you. I did find your word. I did eat it. And it was the joy and the rejoicing of my soul. I can tell what you've been eating. I said, I can tell what you've been eating. Your spouse, your children, people you work with can tell what you've been eating, what you've been feasting on. Because if you've been feasting on the word, it's the joy and the rejoicing of your soul. Amen. Woo! Hallelujah. 1 Peter 4, 14. Keep going. If you reproach for the name of Christ, happy are you. So if they start messing with us and saying you can't preach that anymore, you can't, well, I can believe whatever, I, I'm going to preach whatever the Bible says. You can't tell me what to preach and what not to preach. If it's the Bible calls it sin, I'm going to call it sin. Amen. And, and if they start messing, what do you got to do? Happy are you. <laughs> Happy are you. Happy are you. Well, you know, um, we just need to be careful. You need to be careful and speak the word only. That's what you need to be careful to do. Happy are you. Are you happy? Happy are you for the spirit. Oh, look how these things work together. If you're reproached, if the devil comes at you, inspires some people to come at you, 
If you're reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. Everybody say, I'm happy. And then what happens? For the spirit of glory. For the spirit of glory. When the devil tries to do something, listen to me. Don't get all anxious over what the devil's doing. This looks like he's winning. He never wins. The Lord always got the last word. If they would have known the devil, the demons would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of that's not just a happenstance word there. If they would have known, they would have never crucified. Because see, anytime you, you do something against God, the devil's, if you do it right, it's always going to end up in glory. It's always going to end up in power. It says, for the spirit of glory and of God. I don't know if I'm helping you. I'm really happy. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. The spirit of glory and God, come on, the glory of God rests upon you. The glory of God's in you. What does that happen when you're reproached? When, when people tell you to sit down and shut up? When you speak the word of God? When you stay positive? When you stay, when you stay hopeful? And they're like, no, 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 and you just keep on doing it. And they say, I don't understand with them. They're a little crazy. I heard they go to that cornerstone church where everybody's happy all the time. Hallelujah. You know, you can't be that happy all the time. Don't they care? Don't they care? Don't they care? No, I've cast all of my care. Hallelujah. And my part, on their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he's glorified. And yeah, today people are speaking evil of Jesus, evil of God, uh, evil of this, evil of that. But you know what? When, when, when they start doing that, we need to add to the glory of God by speaking what the word of God says. And the Bible says God will be glorified. Amen. We got to hurry up. All right. And so it says, and we rejoice in the hope of glory. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. We glory in tribulations, knowing that our tribulation, it works patience. Come on, have you ever heard someone say, well, don't pray for patience. That's just an old religious thing. You don't have to pray for it anyway because you don't have, you know, the, you know, God will send you something. Number one, God doesn't send evil things. And the devil's always been here. You just may not have known it. Hallelujah. But, you know, I used to have people come to the church when they first started. And, uh, you know, I got a little discouraged because people say, well, Pastor Mark, before I came to this church, you know, everything was okay. But when I, when I started coming here, I noticed bad things were happening. And I got really discouraged about it. I said, well, Lord, you know, that's, that's terrible. That's not a good way to grow a church. And, and, if, and he spoke to me. He said, it's like this. If you never knew that you could resist a sickness and you just always took it, it's just natural life. But you're telling them to resist something they've been yielding to all their life. And so now they're aware of it. When, when finances were bad, they just thought it was part of being an American, the ups and downs. But when you tell them that I'll meet all their needs, now, and when they have a need, now they, you know, it's not that it wasn't true before. It's just now they're aware of it because they didn't used to resist it. They just let it happen. Come on, no matter what the devil throws at you, resist it. Stand in the grace of God and push it off. Amen. But we glory in tribulation also knowing that tribulation works patience and patience. Uh, uh, so tribulation works what? Patience. What is that? Unswerving endurance and fortitude. It, it works passionate patience. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. Cast not away your confidence or your hope, which has great recompense of reward. For you, need, you have need of patience. Everybody say, I'm patient. 
You have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you'll receive the promise. After you've done the will of God, so faith and patience work together. What produces that? What, what does it say? It says, but we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation works patience. In other words, the devil, you know, he knows this, but most Christians don't know it. So when the devil attacks you, he attacks your mind. When he tries to do something bad against you, what do you got to know? Well, when you bring that on, I'm going to stand in grace and I'm going to resist it. And what you don't know, or what you do know, devil, but now I know, is when I resist you, I develop something. It's called a faith muscle. And when I resist you, that patience begins to have its perfect work in me. And faith and patience, I inherit the promises of God. So thank you very much. I know you tried to destroy me, but I'm going to use what you sent against me. And I'm going to push it off in the grace wherein I stand. And I'm going to glorify God. And I'm going to rejoice in the middle of my tribulation. I'm going to rejoice in the middle of my pain. And I'm going to watch God work and I'm going to watch God move. Amen. What does it say in James chapter 1? Are y'all ready? My brethren, who's he talking to you? My brethren, my sisterin. Hallelujah. This one messes with me a little bit, I have to tell you. This one, this one messes with me. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. So, the devil's tempting you to sin. The devil's tempting you to get out of love with someone. The devil is tempting you to go back to your old ways. The devil is tempting you. He's just he's tempting you. Now, now listen, he's tempting you. He's trying to destroy you. And when he does that, I'm supposed to count it joy? Shouldn't I call the prayer tower and get everybody help? I, you know, I'm not against that. No, this one messes with me. But God is smarter than I am. So when the devil's coming, because what is the temptation? God is not tempted with evil, so it's evil. It's evil. And, and what is the devil trying to do? He's trying to steal from me. He's trying to destroy me. He's trying to kill, kill me. And... And right then and right there, I'm supposed to count it all joy? How in the world do I count it joy? I heard somebody do it. That's exactly what you got to do. He comes and, you, and your response is, ha, ha, ha. At famine and destruction, I shall laugh. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. And when you don't feel like it, when you feel like you're, you, you know, the wind is blowing, the storm is raging, you get up and you lift your hands, hallelujah, and you rejoice in God. Yeah, sometimes you got to put it on. Put on the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. You, try, you feel weak. I'm strong in the Lord and the power is might. Hallelujah. I got my mind on him. Hallelujah. I'm going to count it joy. So when he comes, see, when you learn that when the devil comes, if you'll do what this process. If you'll do the process, you'll come out strong in the Lord in the power of his might. You'll rejoice with joy when the devil is bringing a temptation. So when that temptation comes, if you'll stop and go, ooh, glory to God. I counted joy. I counted, no, this is very contrary. Because see, in our circles, we'd be like, oh, you know, I resist you. And do that. Do, do the resistance. Maybe not the first thing. But, you know, pray in tongues. But resist the devil. But with that, count it joy. 
Come on. I know none of you do. Most of you don't do this. Maybe you got the revelation. But, you know, I've read over this. I, I've taught of this. This is in my book even. But I can guarantee you I don't do this on a regular basis. Because it's just contrary to what the devil's tempting you. And you've got to get serious. But with that seriousness, if you'll do it, come on, count it joy. Count it joy. What's the devil been trying to do to you and your family? What's the devil been trying to do to you and your business, your career? What's the devil been trying to do with your body? All those are temptations. All those are things the devil, what are you going to do? You're going to count it joy. I'm going to count it joy. Are you coming at me? You coming at me? Look who's on the inside of me. Greater is he that is it. You coming at me? You coming at me? You coming at me? You're going to try to do that to me? Look on the inside. Who lives on the inside of me? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Count it all joy. Woo. All right. Hallelujah. Verse three. <laughs> Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. And let patience have her perfect work. That you, oh, that you may be perfect, mature, entire, wanting nothing. So what the devil sends to try to destroy you, you count it joy. You rejoice with joy unspeakable. And what happens is it begins to work patience in you. What is that? I trust you. I trust you. You're always going to bring me to the other side. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my health. I trust you with my wealth. I trust you with my spouse. I trust you with my children. I trust you. I trust, I trust you with my career. I trust you with my business. I trust you with everything. Lord, you can help my football team too. Hallelujah. I trust you. Hallelujah. James 5.11. What are we doing? What, what, what happens? This, te this uh, temptation of the devil, if we do it right, it'll produce um, patience, which is the key to faith. Look at this, James 5.11. Behold, we count them, what? Happy. Do you see a theme? Rejoice, joy, cheer, happy. When the devil's trying to do his thing, what's your response? Joy, rejoice, happy, cheer up. Amen. Behold, we count them happy which endure, that have patience. You have heard of the patience of Job. Have you? I mean, listen, dude went through nine months. We got him beat by double. He went through nine months. His was probably a lot worse than all of ours. You know, he lost everything. And remember, the devil did that. God didn't do it. I don't have time to teach on it. You need to listen. Pastor Ron is teaching on Job. It's the best. And, and so, but we're, what were you supposed to, James tells us what we were supposed to get out of the book of Job. Because remember, Job didn't have a covenant. Job is one of the oldest books in the, you know, it's one of the oldest books. So he didn't have a covenant. No, the, the Lord didn't say to the devil, go get him. That's not what he said. He said, you've been considering my servant Job. He didn't say, hey, there's Job. Did you consider destroying for him? No, that's not what happened. But what are we supposed to, you're supposed, as a New Testament believer, what are you supposed to get out of it? The book of Job. You're supposed to see patience. 
you've seen the patience of Job, and you've seen the end of the Lord. So if the end of Job, who didn't have a covenant, oh, come on now, and you've got a covenant, he didn't even have a covenant. Your covenant is better than the old covenant. And he said, what are you supposed to get out of it? You've seen the end of the Lord. You see the end of the Lord. The Lord is pitiful. He's kind, tender mercy. And what happened to Job? What happened to Job? At the very end, just like Job. What does that mean? Double, 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 double. The end of Job is double. Patience. So after patience, it works experience, which is character. And then let's get to it because we got close. That's where So let's read through uh, Romans 5, 1 through 5 again. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Are you glad you got peace with God and you got the peace of God? But whom also we have access by faith into the grace. What is that grace? It's standing faith to resist the devil wherein we stand. We rejoice. Today you're going to leave rejoicing. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only uh, so, but we glory in what? In tribulations. Also knowing that tribulations does what? When the devil comes, it's going to work patience in us because we trust God. And patience works experience. And experience works hope. And so that's how we get to verse 5. It starts with we have access by faith into grace. We rejoice in hope. Of the glory of God, we glory in tribute. So when a tribulation comes from the devil, when something is going on in the world or in your personal life, your response is what? What's your response? What's your response from now on? So when that comes, it's going to be a different response. Not a, oh, Lord, where are you? Oh, why are you letting this happen to me? Oh, 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 oh. No, what is our response? We glory in tribulation. The devil's coming at you. The devil's trying to tempt you. I count it all joy. I rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory, receiving the end. How do you have faith and patience? You inherit the promises of God. But So your tribulation will work patience, patience, experience, experience hope. Verse 5, and hope makes not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost. And hope makes not ashamed. I'm going to give you this. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. Why do we have this hope? Why, why are we so steadfast in it? Hebrews 6, 18, King James. That by two immutable things, it's impossible for God to lie. Has he said it? Will he not also do it? We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Hebrews 6.11 says, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Verse 19 of Hebrews 6, Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. I want you to read this out of Hebrews 6.18 out of the message. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave us his word, a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word. And because the word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope. We have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let it go. Hope thou in God. When you hope, put your confidence in him, you'll never be put to shame. 
We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org, check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.